Hey, this is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or a discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. So let's talk about worship, music, and discipleship. As the church has grown through the years, there's been different methods to which they would reach the community, and specifically in good ways to reach the lost. We want to reach the lost, and I believe that Christ has given a method for that, that he reached the few so that he could reach the many, and not reaching the many to reach the few, it was a different strategy than uh, maybe we would think would work, or even we have tried throughout years, but there have even been different methods for how to uh, reach the many that have been utilized by the church, and one that is used significantly right now is through uh, music, and that's music that is marketed, music that is, uh, you know, catchy on Spotify or trendy on, you know, social media platform or whatever it may be, and all these things are good to an extent. They can be good, but they also can be uh, substitutes for what is great. And I think that's where we have to be careful as a church that we are not using good things uh, in the place of great things, or even sometimes using things that are good in the place of things that we've been called to, uh, commanded to, as Jesus commands us to go make disciples. We can look at different ways to make disciples and ask, is this part of the forming process? Is Can we utilize these good things in the discipleship process. But what we don't want to do is stop discipling in order to do these good things better, uh, especially if it distracts or detracts from the discipleship process. And so I want to look at today this process of discipleship through music or through um, the worship component of music, utilizing music to, to help people worship King Jesus. Now, I think we can talk about the the dangers here before we can even move forward to how can we do this. The dangers are uh, that that there's an attraction to Christian music um, or worship music or whatever you want to call it uh, that is alluring and good and fun and exciting and even uplifting and, and can be all these different things. But it, it also can just be uh, a substitute to our ears for something that, you know, maybe we say, well, this is good, this is holy, um, but we can easily worship music rather than worshiping God through music. And we can take something that sounds so good and is so awesome. I mean, I, I really enjoy playing the guitar. I think, you know, some people have, around me have just amazing voices, some extremely talented individuals in my sphere of influence, the circle that I get to serve. But those, those are to be utilized for the kingdom of God, not to be a something that we worship. And it's so easy to be so enamored by the abilities and the, the songs that we have access to today that it can almost become a, a form of worshiping those things when we uh, utilize so many different resources and marketing opportunities and platforms and time and energy and all those different things on music, but that isn't paying dividends towards discipleship. 
And so here's where I would press in is we've got to be careful that we don't replace the efforts and the time, the energy, the marketing component, the uh, whatever you want to call it, all of that energy towards discipleship, that we don't replace that with uh, energy spent on these other things that could be good, uh, like music and like worship teams and, uh, uh, you know, instrumentalists and, and even tech teams and live streams and all these different things that we have access to today. They can, they can distract us from our purpose, which is to make disciples. It can be part of it. So let's talk about how it can be part of it. I want to I just break that down for a bit, talk about uh, how we can utilize worship through music for discipleship. So let's talk about what even worship is for a second. A.W. Tozer says, if you're not worshiping God on Monday the way you did the day before, talking about Sunday, perhaps you're not worshiping Him at all. John Piper says, worship is an inner, inward feeling and an outward action that reflects the worth of God. And Charles Spurgeon, of course, goes even further to say, do not flatter yourselves. If you go to places of worship merely to look about you or to hear music, you're not worshiping God. It's possible, and I think Charles Spurgeon is tapping into this, it's possible to actually go to Sunday morning worship services, hear phenomenal music, and have wonderful worship leaders and not worship. It's even possible, actually, to worship idols, to worship uh, musicians and voices and instruments that are fantastic, but are for the purpose of worshiping God, not for you to uh, focus on them or their instruments or their voices. Or the you know technology components, live streaming components, like videos and all those different things that, they, that are good. So what we have to do is we have to ask ourselves, are we there to hear music or are we there to worship Jesus? And I think one way we can do this is to look at what is keeping us at a church. Um, I think it's uh, um, uh, Tom Rayner that says, it may have actually been his son, Sam, that says, whatever you whatever you win someone to church with is what you'll keep them with. And I think we have to be careful here is that we don't use different methods in the church to get people to church that we don't want them to fall in love with and to, you know, to be about, to, to be passionate about, to be excited about, to, to devote their lives to. And, uh, if you're going to church for music, and if you're looking for a church that has good music, you might actually be looking for the wrong thing. If you're looking for a church that worships King Jesus, and the way that they worship King Jesus is through music, and you see people worshiping through music, that, that could be a wholesome good thing. That could be a God-honoring thing. But if you're just simply looking for a band that's got it all together, or a voice that sounds great, or you know, uh, video components that are moving... Uh, I think I think you're uh, lo- you might be looking for something that entertains you uh, rather than brings glory to God. This isn't a this isn't a uh, stadium to to be entertained by a football team. This isn't a movie theater to be entertained by a movie. Uh, this is the church is, if anything, a hospital for sick sinners, uh, for saints who have uh, for have overcome, but I need uh, an intercessor. Uh, a God who is willing to do the hard work of sanctification of the the brothers and sisters who are meeting in that room. And so if it's not about entertainment, then then why do we stay f- to be entertained by music? And I think Tozer probably gets that well when he says, if you're not worshiping on Monday, the way you raised your hand or, or sang or even celebrated on Sunday, then you might be missing what worship is at all. 
you know, I think Scripture gives us some clarity here when it says in Romans twelve one. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's, uh, sorry, in view of the mercy of God, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Our spiritual worship is our lives. It's not just a one component of a Sunday morning experience, or it's not just singing. It's not that singing isn't worship. It's just that that's not the entirety of worship. So true worship comes when we are sacrificing our lives for the glory of God. And I love what uh, Dr. Barbara Pemberton used to say in, in one of my college ca- classes. She said, hardest thing about this passage is uh, it's a living sacrifice because we can offer our bodies on the altar, but we can also get up off the altar and walk away. We have the opportunity to leave that response of worship, of giving our lives over to the glory of God for whatever he calls us to do. And speaking of that, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. All things that we do can bring glory to God, no matter what we do. And if there's anything we do that's not bringing glory to God, that is something that we gotta we, we need to put in front of the brothers and sisters around us and say, should I be doing this anymore? Or how can I shift this to bring glory to God in my life? So... All things can bring glory to God, not just one thing bring glory to God. And so we have to look at our church worship services. We have to look at our lives and ask, how do we worship? And if we can only worship through effective musicians or good-sounding vocalists or powerful moving video clips and fog machines and all those different things, or maybe hymnals and pianists and um, a choir— we say, man, that's the only way I can worship is if we have hymns in, in church. Boy, we have missed every other minute of our day, every other second with our with our family and friends on how to glorify God in the darkest places of the world and in the in the in the brightest places, the most love filled places. How can we glorify God? And if it's only through one way, then we are missing so much about how to glorify God in our lives. Yeah, I, I love that we can use singing because God gave us creative expression. We are creative beings. We've been created by God for creating. In the garden, we were intended to create, to multiply people, but also to create with what God gave us from the fruits to the and veggies to the to the trees and to the, the ground that we have the opportunity to till. We've been cre- created to create. Uh, so let us use that creative capacity to bring him glory. And music is one clear way to express God's glory through human abilities, whether it be talents on instruments or talents in, in, in uh, vocal performance or whatever it may be. We have human humans who have unbelievable abilities and talents, but they ought to be used for the glory of God, not for the glory of themselves. So it's a shift from what I'm able to do to what I do for God. And that might be what I'm able to do really well, or it might be something that he's called me to do that's really outside of my abilities. So we look at everything in our life, and we ask that 1 Corinthians 10, 31 idea is, am I using this for the glory of God? So when we think about singing, we think about instruments, I want to ask why we do it before we talk about how we do it. Uh, Psalm 92, verse 4 says, For you have made me rejoice, Lord, by what you have done. I will shout for joy because of the works of your hands. The reason we respond with singing is because of what God has done. 
it's a response. the The Sunday morning experience that you have at church, or or whenever you go, you you spend time together with brothers and sisters singing, it's an overflow of what you've experienced throughout the week. It's what God has done and what God will do. So I, I'm worshiping God because of what He has done in the past week. And I am worshiping God because I know of his faithfulness and what he will do. It's my trust in what he has done. It's my trust in what he will do coming together and being expressed through song. So it says in Psalm 92 verse 4, I will shout for joy, but it's not just shouting for joy for no reason. It's because of the works of your hands, God. Uh, Psalm 68 verse 32 says, Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord. Selah. It's not even just us who experience this, um, the works of God, but it's all the kingdoms of the earth. I think even as we ponder the why, we have to think about the magnitude of God's works. Throughout the earth, people all over the world are seeing God work in miraculous ways. And when you think about how big that is, I hope it will cause you to come to a shout of joy, to know, to not be stagnant in your response to God with singing or even with worship throughout the week, other forms of worship, but to be excited about what God is doing throughout the world and not just in us. So we can see singularly, God, the works of your hands for me but also globally the works of your hands for the world. And that, I believe, draws us into singing for worship, the, I, the method of worship that we do singing in instruments uh, is because of the works of God and not just because of uh, a planned worship service on a Sunday morning. Psalm 98, 5 through 6 is, in Psalm 96, verse 1, are going to show us the diversity that we have in worship. And you think the kingdoms of the earth, when you think about how vast God's kingdom is, this whole world, and all the people in it. Think about the diversity of people and their abilities and talents, their, their singing and their language, and all the different ways that can be used uh, to worship God through song and instrument. And then now listen to this, Psalm 98, verse 5 through 6. Sing to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the melodious song. With trumpets and the blast of the trumpet, shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord our King. And that's what they had access to. Those were the instruments that they used, and so they used them for God. And that's what we can do. We can say, what are the things at our disposal that we can use for the glory of God? What are our resources? As 1 Corinthians 10, 31 said, Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And so whatever you have access to instrumentally or vocally or, or even uh, you know sign language and all the different methods that we have for language to see and hear, uh, use those for the glory of God. Whether it's a lyre or a trumpet, whether it's drums or a piano, it doesn't matter. What matters is are you bringing glory to God? And hey, it may be quiet. Maybe it's in the stillness of the morning, or maybe it's the blast of the trumpet and it's loud. Whatever it is, let it be for the glory of God. I think about uh, Psalm 92.4 when David's uh, rejoicing. He says, I will shout for joy. Man, what does it look like for you to just shout, for you to blast the trumpet, for us to be excited about the glory of God and what he has done in our lives and in the world? 
Psalm 96 1 says, Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. It's the diversity of songs that we have access to that is so exciting. I mean, if I could critique the modern church growth movement and how we have won people to uh, mega churches and, and even smaller churches sometimes through the effectiveness of music and effectiveness of instrumentalists and how good it sounds and the production component. Those those can be great things, but they can also be dangerous things. But one thing that I think has been good is the creativity. The opportunity creates so many different songs different ways to express the same meaning. I mean, there's there are so many infinite ways to express the faithfulness of God. And I, I believe that God is honored when we discover new ways to do that. I don't... Uh, the redundancy of expression, I think, can be in some ways just saying to God, I, I'm not willing to explore different ways to glorify you. And that's a, that's a dangerous place to be in when you when you settle for uh, one way of expressing your thankfulness to God, rather than exploring different ways. It's just so good to write a letter to somebody and then to give them a hug and then to give them an encouraging word and then get to give them a gift of love and then to sit down with them for an hour and then to give them an hour break from their task or whatever it may be. All the different ways that you can love someone. Well, how many different ways can you love the Lord and speak of His goodness? So it says, sing a new song to the Lord. Be creative. Go outside of your norm for how you express your worship. Go outside of the different genres that you have access to in in music to worship King Jesus. But not only do we have diversity, we also have order. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, when uh, Paul has concluded on how we ought to operate in the worship services, that when we gather together, he says, but everything is to be done decently and in order. And that word decently in Greek means something like, not like, hey, that was a decent performance, but rather like in appropriateness. Like that was an appropriate way uh, to express your glory to God. Uh, in other words, when we gather together, whatever we do, all the different spiritual gifts that are present, present the miracles that are performed, all those different things that happen uh, in the worship service should be done in a way that is honoring to God, appropriate for bringing glory to God, and in order. So it's not disruptive. It's not distracting people from, from the glory of God. I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and we were discussing how, you know, uh, poor instrumentalists and, and individuals who can't sing like me, uh, they what happens sometimes is that we can distract people from worshiping God, but at the same time, impressive instrumentalists and impressive vocalists can also distract from the glory of God. What happens there is you're so good that people focus on you rather than focusing on God. I think in, in worship, generally, when we're talking about music as the form of worship, we are almost invisible or ought to be invisible, that people ought not to see us, but only see God. And when they do see us, they see us pointing to God in music. And so we're not trying to do anything that's going to distract people from uh, worshiping, whether that's good or bad performance. Um, Recognizing, of course, that it's not performance, probably poor choice of words, but uh, good or bad in our abilities. Uh, because they can both be distracting. Now, do everything for the glory of God, whether you sound good or bad, but when you are when you are in front of people leading them to worship King Jesus, we're not doing anything above 
our abilities to pull people to worship us rather than to worship God. And likewise, if we have the ability uh, to play an instrument well in a way that's not going to distract people because we're playing the wrong chords or sing in a way that's going to distract people because we didn't care about how we practiced and we forgot words and all those different things, those are all not done decently or in order. So we should be prepared uh, when we come into worship. And that doesn't just mean the worship team. Like if you have access to the worship set that they're going to do on Sunday morning, go and listen to them on Spotify or YouTube or wherever you have access to music. Go listen to them and prepare your hearts so that you are ready to glorify King Jesus with the appropriateness of the song and also the order that can come with it. So 1 Corinthians 14.40 gives us that challenge of, yeah, it's going to be new. Yeah, it's going to be different, but it's also going to be in some ways structured and uh, appropriate for what we're doing. We're doing something that is special. So when I think about music as a form of worship and how to continue that throughout the week and really how to be a part of the discipleship process in someone's life, what I hope is, is that music is the overflow of the discipleship experience in other factors like community, like uh, like meditation and like fasting and solitude and simplicity and all those different things that we are able to access throughout the week and then express that through corporate worship or even private worship, singing. And by corporate worship, I mean corporate worship through music. When we're gathered together, it's just the overflow of what we experience in all of our other, other discipleship areas. And that's where music all of a sudden can become part of discipleship because you can teach people how to use music for the glory of God and how to use music not for the glory of God. And now I'm singing throughout the week for the glory of God. That's part of discipleship. Because now 1 Corinthians 10.31 is happening in my life. I'm using this for the glory of God. I'm not listening to music that's going to distract from the glory of God. I'm, I'm singing music that's going to be for the glory of God. So it's part of the discipleship process. But if we're not using music for the discipleship process, we need to put it under the you know put it under a microscope and ask what what happened here, where do we go wrong, what are we doing wrong here? So personally in your life, here's what here's what I want to challenge you with. What does it look like in your life to use war, uh, music for worship? And then not only that, but what does it look like to use every area of your life for worship? And when we connect those two together, here would be my question. Is there anything in your life that you are not worshiping King Jesus with and you're using music really to cloak it? Well, I, you know, I worship God on Sunday mornings or I put my music on in the morning and I listen to worship music. Okay, if that's your worship time of the day, are you saying that there's no other worship time? Are you, are you are you worshiping King Jesus in the morning and not in the afternoon because you can only do it through music? And if you are, man, I really want to push you. I want to challenge you. And music is just one way to worship Jesus. And for churches, you know, corporately, my challenge would be this is don't put too much emphasis on music as the form of worship in your church. Otherwise, you will teach, you will disciple your people that that is the way to worship. And then we shouldn't be surprised that throughout the week, they our people worship through music rather than worshiping through all of their life because that's what they do on Sunday morning. 
So Sunday morning should be an overflow. It should contain music because God has music throughout the His Word as a way to worship Him. It's it's such a great way for corporate worship. It, it man, it really is for corporate gatherings. It's a phenomenal way to worship, but it also can be distracted. It can be misused. It can be mishandled by people. Um, we have to be careful that we protect our hearts here. So here's my challenges for you. I hope it helps you in your discipleship growth, um, maybe challenges you as a pastor or a leader to, to push into that. Um, if you are a contemporary worship leader, if you're a traditional worship leader, it doesn't really matter. Uh, these can be applicable. Uh, people in all areas struggle with these different things. So I hope you can apply this. Um, reach out if you have questions. We'd love to talk through it. Um, check out God's Word in this and let it saturate your heart. And uh, if I could pray anything over you, it would be John chapter 3, verse 30. For music, for sports, for friendships, for work, for everything. John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.